Amen. Well, good morning again, everybody. I'm Jeff. I'm one of the pastors. It's Ben Kearns, one of our lead pastors. And uh, hello, online folks. Glad you guys are with us. And did you notice, by the way, Pastor Courtney was up here earlier, and thank you, Courtney, for leading us in prayer. But did you notice there was a brand new slide behind her? Did brand you see that? Brand new. There was Courtney. Let, let, yeah. Alex, can you even show it? Is it too late? No, too late. Listen, Courtney McLaughlin is her name. A week old. Yeah. Let's so, go! She looks different. I just, you look... <laughs> I started this morning, I'm like, you look married. I don't know what that even means. So congratulations, Courtney. Uh, ben and I are going to co-preach today. We'll see how that goes right here. We got all right. it. All right. We're and uh, we are at the end of our Big Rocks series, where the Big Rock series is about filling our spiritual life with the first things. This is that, that, that meme that, you know, sort of famous meme that, you know, if there's so many things that could go in our life, there's so many priorities in our world, there's so many things to do in our daily lives, but if we're not going to figure out what are the most important ones and put them in the jar first, they're not going to fit. And so if we fill it up with less important things later, we're going to try to put those big stones in there and it's not going to happen. And so we we use this theme to talk about some stuff that our church is going to be running after and that we're going to ask you to run after. And so we're at the end of that series. And um, this one today is about uh, that our theology is rooted in Scripture. This is what we're going to talk about today, and I love, we could have actually co-preached any of these, and we had other preaching voices that, that did great jobs too, but I love the fact that we're standing together on this one up here because this is so foundational and has been for God's people for millennia now yeah. that our truth, our foundation is on the Word of God. And that's what this is all about, that our theology is rooted in Scripture basically means this, church, that what we are going to believe and then therefore, listen, how we're going to orient our lives around that are going to come from God's revealed word. They're going to come from the scriptures. Let me say that again. So what we believe and therefore how we orient our lives are going to come from God's revealed word. Now, why? Because that's the place that God said, here's truth. Here's truth. Here's what is true. And so As a church, we're going to run after what is true, and we're going to call you to run after what is true, as opposed to whatever it is that people around you or whatever it is that you get influenced by or whatever it is you make up in your own heads by you. I mean us, like what we do in the world. Like how would that go if what we decided to do would be to come to believe and orient our lives around whatever it is that we made up in our heads? Probably not good. Not good. That never goes well. And so what God has done is he has revealed himself through these scriptures, through these generations, so that we might have the truth about him in front of us. The scriptures itself teaches that about itself. And this is an anchor verse for us. Look at that. It'll be on the screen. It's 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. All scripture is God-breathed. You remember the older language that was used in that verse? is inspired by God. All scripture has come from God's spirit through the writers, right? And it's useful. All scripture is useful. It comes from God and it's useful. And I love these words, useful for teaching us what's true. It's useful for rebuking us when I don't like that one. You like that one? No, I don't like that one. That's a hard one. (laughs) Rebuking us when we live in what's not true, correcting us when we're on the wrong path, training us for how it is that we move forward with God, training us in righteousness, right living, true living. You see it all in this 
one simple scripture, so that the servant of God, every man of, of God, every woman of God would be then thoroughly equipped for what it is that God has for them to do. The scriptures have come so that God's people go, oh, I know what's true and how to live it out. That's right. I mean, we seem to skip all the hard work because we want to get right to the end to be thoroughly equipped for every good work. We run as hard as we could. We want that. But the reality is that it takes some effort. It takes some time and energy to get there. And scripture is that it's the lens now in which we get to understand this journey towards Christ. I mean, I wish Jesus was right here with us. Well, maybe not. That'd be probably really hard if Jesus was actually with us. Wouldn't we have to deal with him? But instead... We he, wouldn't be preaching if he was <laughs> right here. That's probably true. But right, because God's invisible, because we can do what we want, right? It's so easy for our brains to just like make an, our own path for us. But scripture becomes the lens. It's the lens in which we understand the truth. Scripture is how we understand who God is. Because of Scripture, we understand God's character, His holiness, His long-suffering, His patience and goodness, His power. Right? Through the Scriptures, we come to realize that human beings are incredible image bearers of God, in, called to be co-laborers with Christ, and at the same time are sinful and rebellious and capable of all sorts of evil. That's the rebuking and correcting necessary. Yeah, that's good, that's yeah. all coming together now, yeah. yeah. Um, right, that scripture is what points to Jesus, which allows us to understand the path towards salvation, the invitation to be daughters and sons of Christ through, God's, through Jesus' work on the cross. And lastly, scripture is actually what allows us to understand the spiritual formation journey, that God actually doesn't want us to just be good religious people. He actually wants us to be transformed, Holy Spirit-empowered people. And the scriptures teach us, they give us the pathway to do that. And so that's what we're going to be talking about this morning. And what we thought we would do is because we've been uh, doing this pastoral ministry a long time, we've been wrestling with scriptures a long time, we've gotten to walk with people for a really long time, and we thought we would do the top 20 ways that we are going to help people. 50. Top 50 ways. A thousand. Yeah. We, we just like brainstorm this giant list, but actually we, we, we came down to eight. So we get, we're going to actually give you eight uh, pro tips. And, uh, and these are super practical. And if you've been a Christian a long time, you've probably dabbled in some of these. If you're brand new, these are really great, helpful handholds. And so what I'd love for you to do is grab a piece of paper, grab a pen, grab your little phone with your notes, because these are going to be eight really practical pro tips uh, to help you become more steeped and impacted by scripture. And kind of a lightning round here because we don't have a ton of time, but we want to make sure that we give you a whole bunch that you might be able to hang on to. So I can see half of you just staring at me like I'm not a note taker. Okay. All right. Whatever you got to do. Like some of them are just looking. Your wife's one of them. Oh, oh no. The, she's got her notes open. Okay. No, Katie, no, no. Sorry. They're, they're going to so watch sorry. online. Oh. This is eight It's okay, dad. It's okay. It's, a, <laughs> it's eight pro tips to be uh, more steeped. And I think our, our original um, title was your lead pastor's top 10-ish ways that might be helpful for you so that you could become more and more steeped in God's word and become impacted by it. Yeah, so that was this our... marketing person work with us. And they're like, you guys are helpless. Yeah. So that was our first title, but here it is. Eight, eight pro tips. And number one is, I'm sorry to just do it this way. Just do it is number one. Just do it. And I, and I, you know, we always feel apologetic about just telling people just to do stuff, like just do it. But what this is about is just do it. Meaning just make a time to have some time in God's word. Make a time to have some time. Make that time in your life so that you're in God's word. Because if we're saying, boy, let's become men and women of God who are steeped more and more and impacted more and more by God's word, we're just going to need to be in it, church. We're going to need to be in the Bible. So make the time to make that happen. And, you know, there's this thing in Christian subculture um, that we call, there's a little lingo inside Christian subculture called quiet time. And I don't know if that brings to mind like a lacy Bible or, you know, or I, I, don't, I don't know what for you. But the, 
and, and for some people, it brings to mind being told to do something for God, or I don't know. Listen, we gotta recapture this. Because a quiet time, this is so that God's people find some space in their life, listen, to be quiet. To have a time to be quiet, which equals quiet time. I love it. I never put that together. (laughs) That's like, this is genius. It's a time to be quiet. And the reason would be because we need, as God's people, we need to hear from God. We need to understand what is true. We need to rehearse what is true because lies come at us all day, every day from within, from without, from the enemy, like they come at us. So we need to have some time set aside to be able to have a consumption, a diet of God's word. Otherwise, we're not going to get any of it in, inside us. So just do it is the sort of the, uh, the uh, admonition. And there's two advantages to sort of like, just do it. Just make, a, make some time. The two advantages as I see it is one, listen, discipline is underrated. Like it's so good for you just to go, look, at this is important. I'm going to set a goal and I'm going to do it. And I'm going to set the side aside the time. And we always feel, especially preaching, we feel like it's hard for us to go be disciplined because somehow that just doesn't resonate very well in our culture. So this is a reminder and an encouragement that we know that to be true. If we aim at nothing, we'll what? You know this phrase? Hit it every time, right? So if this is important, then we're going to make a time. The other advantage to sort of being disciplined about it for me is that it's like what we talked about a few weeks ago when we talked about how do you come to love something more? If you're in God's word, you learn its value. It speaks to your heart and your soul and your mind and your life. And you're like, oh, I see. Okay. And then you're going to value it more and you're going to spend some more time in it. And you spend some more time in it, you're going to come to value it more. And then you're going to want to spend more time in it. And as God's words, God's words unfold themselves to you, you realize, oh, I'm glad I made time because this has now changed my life. Yeah, I love that idea of a quiet time. And it's, it actually breaks my heart that it, it's become kind of a pejorative or something that kind of goes, we just go, oh, that's what those old Christians do. And just because, you know, your aunt or someone in college told you this is what it's to do. But the reality is, is that, I mean, God wired us all differently and we all are going to engage God differently. And so the idea is that we just actually have to do it. So in the way that you're wired, you know, whether it's you're a morning person, I mean, I, I was told early on, you got to be up before the sun rises. I'm like, oh, I love sleep. And, you know, Debbie Garlic, who just loves God, she's like, I, who does that? I do it at nighttime. So it doesn't matter if it's morning or night around a table on a couch in bed on a walk. The idea is just that we do it and, we, and then we do it consistently. The second part of that is not only that we have to do it and do it consistently, that part of that time that we're with Jesus actually has to be in the word. And we actually have to have a kind of a plan because what ends up happening, we open up our Bible and we point our finger, we go, this is the place. And you're only going to be in like Isaiah and Psalms. If you right just in keep the middle. Yeah. Right in the middle, the just every book. time. Like, and it's always weird stuff, right? So that works sometimes. And every now and then God may show up, but we want to be disciplined people. We are people. It's who, always weird stuff. <laughs> Sorry. Go ahead. I, I know. I never get it. Um, but we want to be people who have like a disciplined plan. Like what is the plan? And how cool that we live in a time and era where we have like the version app. It's like, I need a seven-day plan about compassion. I want to read through the whole Bible in 90 days. Like Ryan Elward does that. I'm like, dude, how in the world do you do that, right? There's a bazillion plans that are out there. And the trick is finding something so that you systematically, or, or well, for me, systematically, Jeff for his heart, which we'll say in a second, have a way to go through scripture. And I just thought, you know, it might be interesting because sometimes like, well, what do you do? And I thought it'd be fun for us to share kind of, because we have totally different ways in which we engage the scriptures. And so I have two ways um, that, I've, that have been part of my diet for the last, gosh, 
long time now, but one of them is to read through the whole scripture once a year. And probably it's my job. I'm a pastor and I should probably be acquainted with the scriptures. And so I read, right, for content. I want to know the whole story. Left to my own devices. I'm never reading Judges or Ezekiel, uh, but now I'm compelled, right, all the way through the Bible once a year. Five chapters, seven minutes, 12 minutes or so, right, once a, once a, once a year. The second thing I do, which is a little more... Um, a little more spiritual, I guess, is I read a, a psalm a day. And this is a kind of a really interesting discipline that I actually hated at first, which is just to read a psalm and say, Lord, what in the world do you have to say to me through this ancient prayer? Mm-hmm. Someone else prayed this prayer. Mm-hmm. God said, this is a valuable prayer for God's people. What do you have to say to me? Not what is the context? What does this mean? Just what do you have to say? And it's a really unique spiritual exercise for the Holy Spirit to say, here's a random verse that I have no idea what that's about, but God, for some reason, draws it to my attention and I spend some time meditating like, oh, wow, what am I going to do with that? And you have a totally different version. Yeah, I mean, not totally different. I actually do get in these plans and I do read through the Bible or the New Testament in a summer or the New Testament in a year. I do do all kinds of stuff. I think what Ben was referring to is that I actually like to admonish people to like follow your heart on that because I, I... I find myself, if I'm like, I'm going to read the Old Testament this year, and if it's not working for me for whatever's happened emotionally in my life or I'm not connecting with it, I find that I'll scan the words in order to check the box because I have some weird OCDs, but I don't get anything out of it. And so I've learned to be like, man, this is what God's drawing me to right now. And so I was in Philippians. I was loving that book. I'm like, I'm going to be here for a couple of weeks, and that's what I'm going to do. And so so I do do all those plans on the, uh, you know, on the Bible app, seven days here, 30 days here, 90 days there. I love all that because uh, I love nothing better than checking a box. But I also follow my heart. If it's not working for me, I ask the Lord, where do I need to be? One of the other things that I do is that I read a devotional, a couple of authors that I really like, and I read some of their devotionals. Uh, or even just to, if it's not set up like a yearly reading, like, a, you know, March 31st, if it's just a chapter of a book, I'll read for five minutes and all those books are filled with scripture. And then I'll just make sure I at least follow one of those scriptures down the rabbit hole into my own Bible and read the context and read a whole chapter. So that's the way I get a diet as yeah. well. So the plan is to get in it every day, as well as having some systematic time to get through the whole thing. Yeah, just, I just love that because we're just, it's fun because we're wired so differently. And if I just followed my heart, I may be, I mean, Song of Solomon every day, just <laughs> Lord, <laughs> but the discipline gets me all the way through. If you're new to the Bible, go ahead and read Song of Solomon this afternoon and then email Ben. That'd be great. Great memory verses in there. Three. So have a plan. Just do it. Have a plan to, to read through the scriptures. Three, get oriented to the big story. Get oriented to the big story. Now, we want you to remember that this, that, that the Bible is a, it's a, an account, a history, a revealing of God to his people about who he is and the salvation that is to come. And so there is an arc of revelation as God has been revealing himself first to the Israelites and then through Jesus and then after Jesus into those who began the church of Christ followers. And so the reason we tell you that is that we want you to be oriented when you're in the scriptures. So when you do the, you know, open and point kind of thing, that's fine if that's what you're going to do. But the point is you got to go, what where am I right now? So Ben goes, you know, you end up, if you do that, you end up in Isaiah and then it's usually weird. Well, the reason it's weird is that you don't know who the names are. You don't know what the context is. You you don't like, you're like, where's Jesus in this? Well, Isaiah is a time before Jesus came. And in the arc of the story where God's revealing himself and who he is calling his people to be and the way to be saved and then the way to live out salvation and to bring salvation to the rest of the world, that's a story that when you poke your finger in the Bible or you read in through a plan, you'll want to know where am I in that story? 
so that you can understand context. If you don't understand context, like any literature you've ever read, you're gonna be lost. So this book, it's not like a, this doesn't read like a textbook. It doesn't read like sort of a Western history book. And so it's super important that you figure out what's the genre, what's the context, who's the audience, what's the timeline, where am I in this? And you're gonna have to do some work to get that context. That's right, and so it's not only knowing the big story, we actually have to read it and read it carefully because it is an ancient document written in a different language in a different part of the world to different groupings of people, yet has been proven over time that this has been God's word passed down to be helpful for his people to understand all these truths about who God is and who we are and all those different things. So we want to be able to read it carefully. And I love what you said about genre because we, there's so many, there's seven different genres in the scriptures, right? There's a narrative, poetry, wisdom, prophecy, there's the Gospels and the Epistles. Epistles are letters. Yeah, yeah, the Epistles are letters and the, and the, and the apocryph- apocalyptic, right? There's all these different genres. And so if you're reading First Kings and trying to put it through the lens of an epistle or reading through Revelations and trying to read it through the lens of narrative, like it's going to blow your mind and it's going to be super confusing. So we actually have to hold Scripture loosely. I mean, hold it loosely in the sense that it's a precious document that needs careful, careful attention. And it is complicated. I mean, we go to seminary for a long time. We've been around the church a long time and our brains are still blown by what in the world's happening. And so we want to use all the tools that are available and how cool that we live in a time and era where there are so many great tools. Yeah. I don't know if you use like the Bible Project um, is a great uh, YouTube channel and they have every introduction to every book, to every genre, to themes in the scripture. These are compelling, compelling videos. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so th- that's a great tool. Um, in the summer, you always teach um, a walk through the Bible uh, class this summer is going to be in July and Wednesdays. And that's just a great way for as a church in community to go, how does this all work and get some questions answered? And uh, one of our favorite things is we have these New Testaments that we, I mean, these Bibles, these NIV study Bibles that we, that we give away. There's these giant Bibles and we will make sure everyone in our church has one. And we kid about it and we go, oh, I'll call on every page. But the reality is this Bible with all the thin pages that looks so cool sometimes just doesn't get us all the way there. We need help, and there's nothing wrong with help. We read the NIV Study Bible to help us figure out the scriptures, sometimes even give us anchors for our own pre- uh, sermons that we're preaching. So we want to make sure that you get this. So we're going to pass a couple of these out. So if you, so great. Yeah, yeah. So if you don't even have one, and we've been set up for like a year now, um, you get to raise your hand, and we're going to pass a couple of these out. All right, who wants one who didn't oh. get one of these? Because we want to make sure. Oh, I see that right there in the corner. Oh, so, no. So All right, there you go. Excited okay. to you have that. That's so fun. Okay, There's so this happened last time. Page. It's so much rejection. Harold, I'm so okay. glad you got one of those. So oh, did you, were you raising your hand, Tammy? Okay, good. Okay, so here's the deal. There's so much rejection. It's heartbreaking. But we, at the end of our budget year, so we're just going to. What's the rejection? Well, because some people are like, oh, what about me? I'm like, oh, oh dang it. Yeah, sorry. We didn't so listen, that. we're going to get you one. All I have to do is go to the start here table, give us your name and address, and, uh, and we're going to mail you one, or, we'll, or Jeff will drive one to your house. That was the big promise last hour, depending. <laughs> but listen, how creepy is that? Uh, here's your Bible. But. The, the bottom line is, if we are going to be people of Scripture, we need to understand it, we need to read it carefully, and we want to give you all the tools and how great that uh, because of our generosity, because of your generosity in our church, we get to make that available to everybody. So if you raise your hand and got, oh, and that was an awkward interaction, go to the Start Here table, and uh, we will make sure that you get one. Yep, and, and, and there's, it's like having a pastor and a scholar in right there with your morning coffee. It's amazing. All right, five. We're gonna. All right, we're gonna pick up the pace. Ready? Here we go. There's not like we talked fast enough already. Okay, all right. let's go. Number five. Hide the word in your heart. Hide the word in your heart. This is so. I, I should have made Ben do this because he's a little bit younger than me. He mocks me about how old I am, but he's not that much younger than me. <laughs> but 
this is like, feels like an old thing to say. Like I look at people and their eyes glaze over, like memorize, like where are we? Like doing times tables in third grade in 1958? Like what are we talking about right now? This is, but this is a spiritual formation exercise that has unbelievable transforming results. And the scriptures actually encourage us to do that. You guys, the reason we talk about memorizing scripture is that, and I know, we've taken all of our knowledge in our brain and we've downloaded it to a hard drive off of our, right? We've taken it away from our brain because we, we've created more space that way, we think, for really important things like, like Bridgerton or, or whatever. <laughs> so, like we, like we, you, you know what Bridgerton is? You're watching that? Okay. Well, you do? So, so, we th- like, so we think that that's all efficient somehow. But the truth of the matter is it is so much easier to hear God if we have God's word residing rather than just in those moments that we've made time for to sit and read. Because the Holy Spirit can then come along 24-7 and go, I want to talk to you. I want to reveal to you. I want to encourage you. I want to invite you, right? Whatever God has to say, it's there and it's inside of us. And so um, we're a walking depository in a way of God's teaching. And this may be foreign to some of you guys, but I, I guarantee if you try memorizing God's word, it will have effect. The scriptures talk about it itself. Psalm 119.11 says, the psalmist says, I've hidden your word in my heart. And then he goes on to say, that I might not sin against you. Now think about that for a second. I've hidden your word in my heart so that I might live in truth, right? It's really the impression that I might then understand what's true and live rightly according to it as opposed to I've hidden your word in my heart and go astray if I didn't have it. And so this is what it does. And here's the, here's the hack, here's the truth. The truth of the matter is it isn't just in the memorization where God can speak to you all the time. That's awesome outcome. The big outcome transformationally for me, this is, I've said it before, this is the single most important spiritual discipline I've in, implemented in my life journey uh, for me. And the reason is because to memorize it, you have to meditate on it. Like you gotta repeat it and you gotta dig in and you gotta wake, what's the sentence structure? And it's the ultimate in comprehension because you're like, oh, I understand every word in that teaching from God. And it changes your life. Yeah, I... I'm always really challenged by this, and, and I do often tease you for being a, a few years older than me, but it's interesting as a, as a generation... You called me a dinosaur last hour. <laughs> I know, that was, that was unfair. But there is a generational break, which is wild, because for your generation and for all of Christendom before you, yeah. was like, hey, memorizing scripture is a thing for my generation all the generations afterwards. We're like, we got Google. Google's we a got, thing. Yeah. yeah, we have TikTok, and I realized how muddy my brain is, how undisciplined and structured my brain and thinking is, because I know I can just Google it, I can find it on my phone. And, uh, and one of the things I just love because it is such a formative part of your life and heart and a really a good challenge for us that, you know, as the younger generation comes up, there is something, a discipline that's proven true for thousands and thousands of years. It's an extra challenge for younger generations for us to import and take on that discipline and, and involve it into our lives. And it is not a natural discipline for me. And thankfully, it's something that we do as a church. Often we say, hey, let's memorize this or let's go through this together and memorize these passages of scripture. And so for me, because it's not part of my regular diet, that's always a good kick in the butt. Like, okay, well, I'm at least going to do that. I'm going to try that. And hopefully for, for those of us who are a little younger, as we continue to grow up, that we'll be taking on these disciplines. Because if this discipline gets lost, the, form, the formational power ends up being lost. And that, that's kind of a heartbreaker. So I love how much you love it Thank and you. how much you're shaping our church for that and kicking me in the butt about it. 
Um, the, the, the number six, that not only do we want to be these theological giants, not only do we want to understand scripture, all the ins and outs of scripture, not only do we want to memorize it, but like just that it happens so that we're actually shaped, so that we're formed. James 1.22 says, right, that we're not only hearers of the word, we're doers. I found a short verse to memorize for Dude, this morning. Dude, you memorized it. Well done, yeah. I know, that was a short one. But that's it, right? That bottom line that we don't just be hearers of the word. We don't just go, oh, we are these theologians. We are these master theologians and we can debate anybody and take anybody down. At the end of the day, we want to be molded and shaped by the scriptures. We actually want the scriptures to form us. And there's a reason why I think people get all caught up in Revelation and some of the weird stuff in the Old Testament because there's some weird stuff that happens yeah. in there. But the teachings of Jesus, it is challenging, right? If you're going to actually read the Sermon on the Mount and go, how am I going to apply this to my life? And we realize, well, there is a high bar. Jesus is inviting us to be holy. Not so that God will love us, but because we love God, we want our lives to mirror God's life and character, right? Scripture compels us to love the world, to love the world around us, to be um, people who practice mercy and justice, What's challenging, the scriptures actually point to specific people and groupings of people that we should be paying extra attention to. The scriptures are the ones that tune our heart that way. The scriptures are also the way, the pathway for life change and transformation. And so to not apply it, to just know those things in our head, man, we are missing everything. And if we are going to be the fragrance of Christ, the fragrance of Christ is not a bunch of theologians running around. Mm. The fragrance of Christ are people who have made space for the Holy Spirit to transform them so that our lives mirror the character of Christ. But if without scripture, we're, we're just make believing what that is. And so we want to come to scripture and not just be learners, but we also want to be then doers. And so a good challenge is just thinking, okay, God, what in the world do you even have to say to me in this? And we were joking around last service too, like judges, I'm just finishing reading through judges and it is a brutal heartbreaker of a story. And you're like, there's nothing in there for me. But the reality is the whole theme of judges is it's, they all just did whatever they wanted, whatever was right in their own eye. And Preach. you just see this death and destruction. You're like, okay, gosh, how much do I live by whatever's right in my own eye, as opposed to willing to submit to the, to the scriptures, to the people of God, to the teachings of scripture. So got to make sure we apply it. I would go back when this posts on YouTube and I would watch those three minutes again. Huh. Honestly, Thanks. that, I mean, that was, that, that, that was a word for us today. Uh, seven. Apply, uh, uh, read the scriptures in community. Well, we're just going to touch on these because we got to go. Well, actually, I want to touch on this one because I want you to make the last point, Ben. Um, we say it all the time. We believe you grow best when you're connected to other believers. And the reason for that is that not only do we have friendship, spiritual friendships and the power of prayer together and just the encouragement of that, but also because we study, we anchor those relationships around God's word. And when we anchor around God's word, we, in, we are help, helping illuminate that word for one another. And we think differently about scriptures. We're sensitive to different things about God. And so what somebody else is seeing in, a, in their application of the word, you would never have seen. And you're like, oh, that is so good. Yeah. And, and they may have had different experiences in the Bible and they're able to bring you to judges and go, hey, it says it here. And you're like, oh, this is truth I would have never had on my own. And so we encourage you to get connected, to get connected, to get connected with a smaller group of people that you can do life with, including being in the scriptures. Yeah, gosh, I love that. And I love there's so many opportunities for that. And the very last one, it's similar to one of the early ones of having a plan, but this is actually not just having a plan to read through scripture. It's actually having a plan to prepare for the difficult questions. Like you just have to know, Christians for all of time, non-Christians for all of time have wrestled with the scriptures. There's a lot of really incredible and challenging things in there. So you need to know that those questions are going to come and just 
have a plan for how to wrestle with them because what ends up happening, especially in our culture, there's too many hard things happening. Scriptures just do not make a lot of sense and you just plop your finger down and judges and you're like, well, if that's who God is, then I'm out. Or you remember your like overbearing aunt who just, you know, crammed the scriptures down your face. You're like, well, then I'm out. But we can't be that. We have to have a plan to recognize really smart people have gone before us and they actually have helped us to illuminate the scriptures. And I think there's kind of two different camps that we fall into when we have questions. And unfortunately, I mean, I recognize, I understand this, but so many people now are in this process of deconstructing which makes sense. I mean, the, the church has wounded them. Scriptures are weird. How do you apply that in this moment? And so what happens in this deconstruction moment is you just start pulling all the threads, pulling all the threads, trying to figure it out. But I've yet to see people in the deconstruction moment hit the ground and turn around and go, well, now what are we going to do with that? There is a place to re-examine. There is a place to deconstruct and wrestle with the scriptures. But what I love is in the Christian community and in the Christian tradition, there's actually a way in which that happens. It's not just deconstructing to get to the end so I'm out so I can do what I want. And in fact, the Presbyterian church I grew up in, they, they made a theological statement. They said that we're reformed in their theology, but we're always reforming. So we don't, there is a process of examining, but the idea is not to just blow things up and to blow the tree and vine that you're connected to. It's so that you are always reforming because the theological truths found in scripture have proven true for 2,000 years, and a lot of people have tried to dismantle that and tear that down. And the truth and power of Jesus Christ has proven true in every part of the world, in every culture, in every ethnicity, in every language. Like, it's a pretty incredible thing. But for us, there is wrestling of how are we going to apply those theological truths to this moment, which is really, un- we don't know how to do it totally. And so we, we need to be in community. We need to do all these things. So just know there are going to be questions. There are going to be disagreements. But when you know that and you have a plan, it'll help you stay connected so that we can be reforming together and not just blowing this whole thing up. I just think that's so important. What do you do with your questions? Because the options are to go like, all right, I'm going to go after those questions. Whether they're huge questions, like like theological, like how do you apply that in our world today? It's a different world then. Like what, is, what do we do? Or the small questions like who are the Amalekites and why does right. it matter? Like what do we do with our questions? The two options are one is we just go, I don't know, this just seems ridiculous and I'm out. And that's what you're saying. And the other is to keep leaning in to what does God's word teach? What has the church been about? Where, where can I find answers to even the, the biggest questions? And for sure the small ones are in those Bibles that I'm gonna drive over to your house. That's right, I love that. But all the things we just talked about, those eight ways and the 20 others that we brainstormed are ways that you're going to get your questions answered. They're all ways that we become more and more steeped in God's word and impacted by it as his people. So we're ending this series. What we've done with each one of, our, each one of the sermons in this series, we've talked about our part and your part. If this is a big rock and we're going to run after it, we're going to ask you to run after it. So here's our part, church, on this one. Our part is that we're going to keep preaching the Bible. Like that's the center it's not the center. It's embedded uh, inextricably and, and of some prime importance in our worship as a church because it's God's revelation about what is true. And so we'll keep preaching. We'll keep preaching the Bible. We'll ground our teaching in it. We'll ground our theology in it because God's revealed what's true. And we're going to encourage you to hear him in that. We're going to encourage you to hear it. We're going to encourage you to hear well. We're going to try to preach creatively. We're going to try to have multiple voices. We're going to try to have incredible graphics. We're going to try to keep your attention. But our part is that we're just going to keep bringing it, okay? And we'll hopefully, we're going to encourage you to hear and then respond to God. That's our part. We'll anchor ourselves, our theology, what we believe, 
how we orient our lives around it will anchor ourselves in the truth that God's revealed. That's right. And just like we're going to do our part, we're going to ask you to do your part because to, for us to preach really compelling sermons with awesome graphics, <laughs> um, that, only gets the, that only moves the ball so far. What is going to move the ball, what's going to expand the kingdom of God is when the gatherings of God people, God's people are actually molded and shaped and transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit. And all the Christians that have gone before us have said being rooted in Scripture is the number one thing that's going to allow us to move towards Christ, to be formed by His Spirit. And so this is a simple invitation. Just like we're saying, we want all of us to always be on this journey moving towards Christ. Part of that journey is taking the next step and being more and more steeped into God's Word. And so we gave you eight things. And of those eight things, maybe there's an invitation from God that says, hey, Here's one more step you can take to become more steeped in Scripture. For me, it's always, man, being memorizing Scripture, that is always a thing. Get my mind tuned up, meditate on the Word of God. That's mine. But of those eight, maybe there's one that God you know, brought to the light that said this is something to take a next step towards to be more steeped in God's Word. So what we're going to do is we're just going to give you a few moments to just reflect on that list and say, Holy Spirit, is there an invitation for me of something that I can be doing to take that next step so I can be more steeped in Scripture, mostly so that I can understand you better on this journey towards Christ so ultimately we're equipped for every good work. So let's just take a moment and reflect on that and then I'll close this in prayer. Heavenly Father and our gracious God, what a gift that you are a God who longs to be known. You've made a way for us to know who you are. And you've shepherded this story for 4,000 years so that we would know the great story of your son, Jesus. For his love for us, coming to earth, making a way for us to be adopted into your family to mold us and shape us and transform us, to invite us to be co-laborers with you in the ministry of reconciliation. And we get to know those things because you've given us your word. And so I pray, God, more and more that we would be people who are steeped in your word. We would love your word. We would make a plan and put an effort to know your word because your word is what reveals your character your love for us, your redemptive plan for us, and your invitation to partner with you. So I pray for us as leaders of this church. I pray for us as members of the church. I pray that we would be people who would be so steeped in your word that you would mold us and shape us. We would be the fragrance of your son, Jesus, just oozing grace and mercy and comfort and hope to a world that desperately needs it. Have your way with us, Lord, for we are yours. So we long to love you and to serve you and give you all the honor and glory. And let's stand together as we just continue to worship our loving and gracious God. Amen and amen.